So I am super excited because today we do start a Christmas uh, series called Christmas at the Movies. And what we're gonna be doing is we're gonna be pulling biblical truths. If you're new here, uh, we, we make movies. Uh, and as a filmmaker and a movie, as a movie buff, I, I'm constantly watching movies and seeing biblical truths, scriptural truths that are embedded in our modern day lives. And so I love to teach with them. And actually Jesus taught with stories. You see, if you were around Jesus, if you're following Jesus, he'd say, a guy was walking on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho and he got robbed and he got beaten up. And a priest, a Levite and a Samaritan, they came walking by. It was like he was setting up a joke or something, right? A priest, a Levi, and a Samaritan, they walk into a bar. <laughs> no, it wasn't, it wasn't really, that wasn't it. But Jesus was a storyteller. In fact, in Matthew 13, it actually says that Jesus didn't say anything without using a parable, a story. It's crazy. And Paul did the same thing. But Paul uses, used secular poets, playwrights, and philosophers. And I'm not gonna, not gonna get too deep in it, but it just fascinates me that Paul quotes pagan philosophers and artists in order to teach biblical truths. I mean, I mean, watch this, Acts 17, Paul says, for in him we live, move and exist. As even some of our own poets have said, for we are also his children. Both of these lines were written about Zeus in Greek literature, but Paul applied them to God pretty interesting. And then in 2 Corinthians 15, Paul says, do not be deceived. Bad country company corrupt good morals. Many people don't know this, but this was actually a direct quote from a secular comic poet of Paul's day named Meander. And there's all kinds of other examples. I won't get into all those, but we see that Jesus taught with stories. Paul did as well. And so that's what we're going to do during this season, Christmas at the movies. So for today, I'm excited to be pulling biblical truths from the 1994 version of the holiday classic, Miracle on 34th Street. And so before, but before we get into that, I know that the children have already been dismissed into their adventures in their classes. But if there are any children still in the auditorium, I wanna give the parents just kind of heads up. The main character of today's movie is Santa. And today we will hint at a certain factualness about him. So parents, if you can read between the lines with me here, if your kids are in the auditorium and they are not privy to that factuality and you're not ready for them to be privy yet, I want to make sure that they're in their classes uh, for today's message, okay? And if you have a spouse or an adult friend that may not have accepted that factuality either, <laughs> you may want to block some time out this afternoon to help them process, all right? Also, credit where credit's due, I got most of this message from Chris Hodges, and he's given, given us permission to share it with you today. So, Miracle on 34th Street. Let's check out the trailer. He's gone. He thinks you're Santa Claus. <laughs> You know what? I know. You know what? A secret. What secret? Santa Claus. I've known for a long time. He's not real. Says who? My mom. They say that seeing is believing. <laughs> but the truth is, 
the world is held together by things you can't see. There really has to be something you want for Christmas. A house, a brother, and a dad. That's all I ever want. He loves you and he wants to kiss you. And he thinks he's the most beautiful woman in the whole world. If you really Santa Claus, you can get it for me. Right. <laughs> it's an engagement ring. If you can't accept anything, hey! faith, then you're doomed for a life dominated by doubt. She's deaf. You don't have to talk to her. She just wanted to see you. You are a very beautiful young lady. <laughs> if I could make you believe, then there'd be some hope for me. If I can't, well, I'm finished. I want this man declared insane. This is about a man who has had something very wrong done to him. I want you to help him. Together, we're going to prove that there is a Santa Claus and that you're him. I'm ready, Councilman. Do you believe that you are Santa Claus? Yes, of course. <laughs> I'd like the court to see Mr. Kringle make the reindeer fly. He only flies on Christmas Eve. <laughs> believes in Santa Claus. Do you believe in Santa Claus? If this court finds that Mr. Kringle is not who he says he is, then I would ask the court to judge which is worse, a lie that draws a smile or a truth that draws a tear. 20th Century Fox, Richard Attenborough, Elizabeth Perkins, Dylan McDermott, and Mrs. Doubtfire's Mara Wilson present you with the most precious gift of all. Something to believe in. Miracle on 34th Street. So this story, it's about a little girl named Susan who discovers that the most precious gift of all is something to have faith in or believe in. And I, and I can't think of anything more precious more life-changing than actually having something in your life that you know is real, really real. Because you know that all of us, we all have belief systems, right? It's a system in our mind that tells us what's true and what's not true. And we call them our beliefs. We all have them. And, the, uh, and our beliefs is what you actually believe is true or false. But the truth is, is that our beliefs, whether true or not, they actually dictate the outcome of our lives. So then the, the question becomes, do we have beliefs based on reality? Because look, there are a lot of people that believe things that are not actually real. I don't know if you knew that or not. We base our beliefs on reality. Do we do that or we do it just accept what other people tell us is truth? Because it's, it's all too easy to absorb all the information that's out there, a blog, a news article, or a, or a news segment, a reel, a YouTube video. It's easy to take in that information and then believe it unconditionally. Because everything on the internet's true, right? <laughs> but if we believe those things, it, or any, whatever we believe, it'll dictate the outcome of our lives. And as we read this, as we read this together, we all... We all really inherently know that this is true. And this is why we know it's true is because we know that our beliefs form how we view the world, right? It lays the groundwork for how we view the entire world around us. And how we view the world, it shapes how we interact with that world. 
And how we interact with that world, it dictates how we out, out or the outcome of our lives. And this is where the problem comes in, is that we understand this, but do we really believe this? Do we really believe and understand that what we believe about, what our beliefs about God, about our world, about ourselves, about the people around us, do we really believe that what we believe actually steers the direction of our lives? Because for some of us, some of us have allowed things that have happened to us in our past, or we've allowed storms in our lives that are happening right now to actually change our beliefs about ourselves. And it slipped away from what actually God believes about us, sometimes in our internal dialogue. And what God believes is the truth regardless of what you believe, what others believe. In fact, sometimes even regardless of what the facts say, what God believes is true. And for some of us, we've simply given up faith in a certain area, maybe altogether, or maybe in a specific area of our life where we just don't believe anymore in that area. We don't have faith anymore. And it's, it's easy to let in particular areas of our lives to let faith s- s- just slip away. And when that happens, it's really easy, easy to help to let our faith and our belief in what is actually true slip away from what God believes about ourselves. We can get to a place where we don't believe what God's word says about us anymore in a specific area in our life. And if unbelief has crept into maybe an area of your life, or maybe it's just now trying to creep in, if that's you, I'm really glad that you're here today because I think you're gonna get a chance today to give faith another chance. Check out this clip from Miracle on 34th Street. Okay, go ahead. This seems like a pretty pointless exercise, Brian. I know, but I just thought as long as we were here, might as well stop by and say hello to the old guy. We'll get him. Why? Well, let's just say for the sake of argument that there is a Santa Claus and that you don't believe in him. Is it worth the risk that you might not get anything for Christmas this year? Well, I didn't believe in him last year and I still got everything I asked my mother for. Yeah. You get a free candy cane? I'm trying to limit my intake of sugar. Uh-huh. You can go see Santa now. Okay, come on. Go ahead. Nice to meet you, baby. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, darling. <laughs> Hello, sir. Oh, how do you do? Would you like to come and sit on my knee? We are. Now then, what's your name? Susan Elizabeth Walker. Mm-hmm. What's yours? Mine? <laughs> well, I have uh, lots of names. Uh, Chris Kringle, Santa Claus, Father Christmas, or Nicholas. If you were in Holland, I'd be Santa Claus. Or in Italy, La Bifana. I have to speak many languages because, of course, I travel, as you know, a great deal. Suresh, Gift, Vum, Christophe. That's Russian. My mother's Mrs. Walker. She's director of special events for Coles. Uh-huh. She runs a parade. Oh. I know how this all works. 
You're an employee, of course. That is true. But you're a very good Santa Claus. Thank you. Your beard stuck on real tight. <laughs> Usually the store Santa Claus whiskers are too loose. Right. Yours look realistic. That's because they are real. You give them a tug. Woo! <laughs> are you convinced? <laughs> good. This isn't the regular Santa suit, is it? Oh, this is the real Santa suit. It's very nice. Mm, I agree, it's lovely. Gold buttons, gold thread. It's as real as me. Well, you ask your daddy if I'm real. I don't know where he is. Well, he's, uh... That's my friend, Mr. Bedford. I don't have a dad anymore. Well, now, what can I get you for Christmas? Nothing, thank you. Nothing? My mother buys my gifts. If I don't want something too stupid or dangerous or... Hi, Mom. <laughs> Good morning, Mrs. Walker. It's nice to see you again. Thank you, thank you. Susan, I think you've taken enough of this man's time. There's a very long line of customers, and they do come first. Nice to meet you, Susan. Nice to meet you, too. Bye. Non-believers. Right. Now, obviously, today we are not talking about believing in a real Santa, okay? But I want to use the theme of this movie to really pull out some biblical truths about believing in what is real, about what is actually true, believing in the real meaning of Christmas, which is not Santa or toys. It's not even about the spirit of giving, although that is part of it. But the real meaning of Christmas is that our Savior, Jesus, was born as a baby, sent to live among us so that he could save us from our sin and from death. And with that comes, comes our sonship, our, our adoption into God's family with the heavenly Father as our Father. And that's so that we can receive an inheritance of eternal life as his children. <clears throat> and it's not only about our eternity, but it's also so that we can live our lives as overcomers with the power and authority that he gives us as his children here on earth. And so if you want to find out more about how to become that child of God, uh, after the service, there will be church elders at the next steps table to pray over prayer requests. And you can also, you can go and ask them about how to become a child of God and receive that inheritance and power I'm talking about. But for now, I want us all to ask, us this, ask ourselves this question. And that is, have I stopped believing? Have we stopped believing in what is actually true in a specific area of our lives? And of course, we're not talking about Santa. We all understand that. We're talking about what God's word says about us his love for us, his promises to us, have we stopped believing? It, when we really dig down, is there somewhere, is there an area of our lives that we've really just kind of let our faith slip? 
Now, the initial answer, of course, is no, Pastor Micah, I believe in what's truth. I have faith, ultimate faith, but we want to be careful not to answer too quickly because a lack of faith and really letting belief slip away in a specific area can be deceptively subtle. And so today I want to dig in and I want to look at some ways that we could find out because you can know if your faith has slipped because unbelief will actually produce symptoms. Symptoms like exhaustion. Exhaustion, why exhaustion? Because we're no longer depending on God in that area. We're depending on ourselves and stressing out. Because for some of us, we've, we've stopped praying, we've stopped putting praying first and trusting, and instead we're carrying all of our issues on ourselves. We're exhausted. Another symptom is emptiness. In other words, if there's an area of our life where we just have a sense that maybe just something's missing, and you know why it feels like something's missing? Because there is something missing. We're a spiritual being. We're not just a physical being. And when we live our lives with just the physical reality, with no belief in what God says about us, no faith, it leaves a void in our life. It leaves us empty. Or how about this one, enslavement. Now, this one is actually the most serious because we have an enemy that's trying to get us to doubt God, to stop believing in him and believe in anything else. And his goal is to enslave us to a new reality, one that doesn't believe in anything. So let me ask this question one more time. And this is, this is my question for myself, for all of us. In any area of my life, in your life, have we stopped believing? Have we stopped believing what the Bible says about us? Is, is your life so far from how God says he sees you that it's just really hard to believe about yourself? Well, I've got, I've got good news that Jesus says it only takes faith of a tiny mustard seed to believe again. So even if you have the smallest bit of faith, there's still hope. So check this out. Just be yourself. <laughs> Don't even think about the camera. You'll be just fine. Right. I must confess, I don't quite know why they're making such a fuss about me. This is the holiday season, and you're Santa Claus, right? To many, yes, but to others, I'm just an old man with a white beard. But you're still the symbol of the season. You think I'm a fraud, don't you? Fraud is a bit too strong of a word. But you don't believe in me. I believe that Christmas is for children. Well, your daughter doesn't believe in me either. I don't think that there's any harm in not believing in a figure that many do acknowledge to be a fiction. Oh, but there is. I'm not just a whimsical figure who wears a charming suit and affects a jolly demeanor. You know, I, I, I'm a symbol. I'm a symbol of the human ability to be able to suppress the selfish and hateful tendencies that rule the major part of our lives. If you can't believe, if you can't accept anything on faith, then you're doomed for a life dominated by doubt. I like you very much, Mrs. Mrs. Walker, you're a fine woman, and you know, I think you'll make an excellent test case for me. 
you and your daughter. If I could make you believe, then there'd be some hope for me. If I can't, well, I'm finished. I think one of the most eye-opening lines in this whole movie is the one that you just, you just heard, that if you can't believe, if you can't accept anything on faith, then you're doomed for a life dominated by doubt. Wow. So what do we do? Well, I think a great place to start is to really, let's first of all talk about what faith really is. In Hebrews 11, it actually says, now faith, it's the substance of things hoped for, and it's the evidence of things that you can't see. And a lot of people will say, well, look, I'll believe it when I see it. You know, and God says, no, you've got it backwards. See, some things you have to believe in first in order to see them. And the reason is that seeing isn't believing, believing is seeing. Let me say that again, okay? Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. You see, when you see something in the natural realm, right? This present, I don't have to use any faith. I don't have to believe that there's a present on the stage. It's actually there. And so, but believing real faith is seeing something that's not in the natural realm yet with the eyes of faith. In order to believe, you must see it on the inside. So believing is seeing with the eyes of faith. In fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it actually says, for we walk by faith, not by natural sight. You could say it like this. We walk by seeing with eyes of faith, not by seeing in the natural. Now that may seem hard to do, to believe in something that you can't see, you can't touch. But what God does instead is speaking to us. I'm not talking about an audible voice. I'm talking about that voice deep down inside those of us that follow him, that have been telling us for some, some time that God, what he says about you is true. In your spirit, man, you know it. And for some of you, God's been speaking some things to you. Some things, for instance, like go all in, like it's time. Or give God your best. It's time to give God your best. Not just a little bit every now and then, but give, giving God your best. Or maybe do it today. He's been speaking that to you, but you've got to believe about yourself what he believes about you. Or maybe, isn't it about time? Isn't it about time to move forward? Why not now? See, he knows that seeing with your natural eyes is not believing, and he wants you to believe with your eyes of faith. He wants you to be able to see it, to envision the promises and the, goodnesses and the goodness of God until it comes to pass. He knows that believing is seeing something in your mind's eye, in your spirit. You know, there, there's a story in the Bible in, in the book of John chapter 20. And in John chapter 20, Jesus had already died and resurrected from the dead. And he had appeared to some of his disciples. And when Thomas heard about it, one of his disciples, he, he, uh, he said, look, I got to see for myself before I believe. And he got labeled because of that. He will forever be doubting Thomas because of this one statement. And so Jesus says to doubting Thomas, he says the same thing that he wants to say 
to you. Same thing he wants to say to me. Here's what he says. He says, Thomas, because you have seen me, you've believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. They've seen on the inside. Because seeing is not believing, believing is seeing. And sometimes we have to take a step of faith to see that thing that God placed on the inside of you for yourself. Check this out. All rise. You may sit. Having heard the evidence in the matter of Chris Kringle, I judge Henry Harper, a representative of the state of New York, must regrettably rule on this day, the 24th of December, in the year... Would it please the card if I gave you your Christmas card? I probably won't get another chance to see you. Unless I get arrested, which is very unlikely, since it's Christmas Eve and I'm going to bed uncharacteristically early. Thank you very much, young lady. You're entirely welcome. And, uh, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. The young lady who just approached the bench presented me with this Christmas card and this. It's a $1 bill. It's going to be returned to her shortly. But by presenting me with this bill, she reminded me of the fact that it's issued by the Treasury of the United States of America. And it's backed by the government and the people of the United States of America. Upon inspection of the article, you will see the words in God we trust. And we're not here to prove that uh, God exists, but we are here to prove that a being just as invisible and yet just as present exists. Federal government puts its trust in God. It does so on faith and faith alone. It's the will of the people that guides the government. And it is and was their collective faith in a greater being that gave and gives cause to the inscription on this bill. Now, if the government of the United States can issue its currency bearing a declaration of trust in God without demanding physical evidence of the existence or the non-existence of a greater being, then the state of New York, by a similar demonstration of the collective faith of its people, can accept and acknowledge that Santa Claus does exist 
and he exists in the person of Chris Kringle. Case dismissed. <laughs> So, what do you want for Christmas? Maybe a renewed faith in an area. Maybe to see yourself with your eyes of faith the way that God sees you. Maybe to see yourself as healed, without lack, more than enough. Maybe to see yourself living a life of an overcomer where you bring life to others instead of the negativity and the, and the, and the complaining that we all struggle with. It could be that we need to see ourselves with eyes of faith, maybe as a good husband, a good wife, maybe a, a loving and respectful son or daughter, a respectful and present father, a supportive and loving mother. I, I wanna challenge you to find the one area. And I know there might be many areas in your life, but just let the Holy Spirit speak to you today about one area this week where you could just close your eyes and envision yourself in your mind eye as how God created you to be. Because that's who he believes you to be. That's what he believes about you. And so this week, just for a few minutes a day, just imagine yourself as that person, the person that he believes you to be. And when we change our belief into what's true, into what God thinks about us, then our beliefs will form how we view the world. And how we view the world will shape how we interact with that world. And how we interact with that world will dictate the outcome of our lives. Would you stand?